chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coasts of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? That's in reference to divorce, of course. For, and he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Have you not read from verse 4? Once again, the Lord is A, rebuking the unbelieving Pharisees, and B, pointing back to the Tanakh, the Old Testament. God has put his word above his name. That's how high the word of God is in the mind of the Lord. That's the preeminence that he places on scripture. Also, Jesus points back from verse 5 to Genesis and says he made them male and female creation. No evolution. Jesus Christ was a creationist. And again, he upholds the Old Testament as being the word of God which could not be broken. 6. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. They aren't two people but one person. Because man meets woman they get married and in the eyes of the Lord two flesh become one person. It's a pitch of the Trinity in some ways. Although the Trinity is Father, Son and Holy Spirit, three persons, at the same time they are also one God. One God in three persons. Similar reflection here. Man and woman are two individual people. But once they leave mother and father. They become one flesh. 7. They say unto him. Why did Moses then command. To give a writing of divorcement. And to put her away. From the 24th chapter of Deuteronomy. And the Lord doesn't say Moses didn't write Deuteronomy. He continues to interact with them because the Lord once again upholds the Old Testament. He upholds Moses being the author of the Pentateuch. One more time. Why did Moses command to give a writing of divorcement? They are wanting to justify the mass divorce, the mass immorality that was occurring during the first century of the hope from verse 3 of tripping him up. 8. He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. Again, he's upholding Moses as the author of the first five books of the Bible, found in the 24th chapter of Deuteronomy. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. I say unto you, It was heard of them of old, but I say unto you, Once again, he is the Lord of the universe. 
He's put his word above his name. He is elevating himself to be the interpreter of the scripture. Lord of the Sabbath, Lord of the temple, greater than Solomon, greater than Jonas, greater than this, greater than that. I say unto you, once again, he is claiming deity. He is the interpreter of scripture. One more time from nine. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, divorce his wife, except it be for fornication, immorality, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. The only grounds for divorce in the Bible would be immorality, which is fornication, which is poinia in Greek, which is where we get the word pornography from. That is the main license for divorce in the word of God. Also death from Romans 7 and desertion from 1 Corinthians 7. I've always believed that divorce between two parties should be a last resort. Reconciliation, forgiveness was found in the previous chapter and should always be sought. But if the perpetrator, if the guilty party doesn't want to apologize, if the guilty party wishes to continue on living a lifestyle which is an affront to God, if that party wishes to continue to break their vows, I've always believed that divorce is permitted. And Matthew's Gospel tells us that fornication is grounds for divorce, whereas Mark and Luke don't give you that extra bit of scripture. So we need the entire New Testament to get a complete clear picture of how the Lord sees divorce and remarriage. I also believe that the innocent party in a divorce has the right to remarry. I've always believed that. I don't think it's fair to punish the innocent party in a marriage, especially if the innocent party has children. I don't see why that innocent party should be forced to remain a perpetual divorcee with children when the guilty party has gone off and quite possibly remarried, which would make it impossible for the innocent party to be reconciled to her husband or his wife, depending on who the guilty party was, if they even wanted to, because you couldn't go back to your original partner once you'd remarried. That was anathema. But here, fornication is grounds for divorce. 10. His disciples say unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. But he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men. And there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. In reverse order, some people have chosen to live a life of celibacy. They have chosen to be single all of the days of their life so they can serve God. Whether it's male or female is irrelevant. That was their choice to do so. Others have been made eunuchs. Others have been castrated and some were born 
without the ability to reproduce or to have natural sexual relations with the opposite sex. But here the main theme is that whatever position, whatever way you have chosen to live, however you were born, the Lord will bless you. 13. Then were brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. These children have come to be blessed. Nothing unusual in and of that, and yet the disciples once again make the error of trying to decide for the Lord what is the right thing for him to see and do and experience. They weren't happy that he spoke to the woman at the well in John 4 and he had to put them straight and here he will deal with their clumsy intervention which again for me highlights the human flaw of man. These are saved people I believe for the most part excluding Judas Iscariot and yet they are making blunders time after time and yet Matthew is telling us that because he wants to give you an honest portrayal of what occurred when the Lord walked on the earth and how mortal man responded to living and witnessing the Lord of the universe among them 14 but Jesus said suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me for of such is the kingdom of heaven don't refuse the children to come unto me because the children are going to make up the kingdom of heaven now you can look at this in different ways and I've already said from the previous chapter that to enter into heaven you have to become like a child and at the same time I also believe this has a reference to literal children that have died whether it's through illness or abortion or being killed whatever heaven I believe is going to be full of children 15 and he laid his hands on them and departed thence 16 and behold one came and said unto him good master what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life this is an amazing question to ask and the answer has caused pretty much everybody a lot of confusion and this is why I am a semi-dispensationalist and I will explain as I go on 17 and he said unto him why callest thou me good there is none good but one that is God but if thou wilt enter into life keep the commandments every group in the world today that denies faith through Christ alone goes to this scripture and they would have you believe that you have to keep the commandments in order to receive everlasting life even though all of the epistles say that by keeping the law no flesh shall be justified for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God but here Jesus is saying you have to keep the commandments to enter into everlasting life let's read on 18 
he saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honour thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. That's quite a tall order. To hate somebody is the same as committing murder. To lust after somebody is the same as committing adultery. To steal could be a physical theft. It could also be a spiritual theft. You could be stealing in your mind somebody's wife through coveting. You shouldn't bear false witness. You shouldn't lie. How can you honour your mother and your father when you've broken the first commandment not to murder, the second commandment not to commit adultery, the third commandment not to steal, and the fourth commandment not to lie? And you certainly couldn't be loving your neighbour as yourself, the latter part of 19, when you've already breached the previous commandments. But look at 20. The young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? This is a self-righteous man. Anybody with any sense of honesty would have said to Jesus at this stage, I've broken these commandments. I know I've broken these commandments. But he's self-righteous. And Jesus knows that. Look at 21. Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. He knows this is a wealthy man, and he's going to go straight to the heart of the matter, which is his love of money. 22. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The cross-reference here says that Jesus beheld him, Jesus loved him. What you are finding here is the Lord using the law to show this man his sin. You can't keep the law in order to be saved. Go back to verse 16. Nobody's good but God. God is perfect. Even if he was to give to the poor and come follow Christ from 21, that still wouldn't save him because all his past sins haven't been dealt with his future sins wouldn't have been dealt with so you can't go to this piece of scripture and argue that by keeping these commandments you will go to heaven impossible what the Lord is doing here is using the law to convict the man of his sin to bring him to his knees so he would convert become as a little child and cry out to him I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me neither is there salvation in any other name for there is one God and one mediator between God and men so get your dispensations down in the right place and you won't be deceived into thinking that it is possible for somebody born with original sin to keep the law in order to be saved you cannot get that from this piece of scripture but here the Lord as the interpreter of scripture as the giver of scripture 
as part of the Godhead who wrote the scripture is using the Old Testament law to convict this man and he went away very sorrowful for he had great possessions 23 then said Jesus unto his disciples verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven the love of money is the root of all evil money in and of itself isn't sinful but to love money is sinful this man loved money hence why he isn't going to enter the kingdom of heaven because he's put his money before his God and again I say unto you it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God when his disciples heard it they were exceedingly amazed saying who then can be saved but Jesus beheld them and said unto them with men this is impossible but with God all things are possible in other words you can't be saved by your own means but with God all things are possible and God has granted repentance to the Jews and to the Gentiles second Corinthians 5 he has reconciled the world unto himself be ye reconciled unto him John chapter 12 if the Son of Man be lifted up from the earth he will draw all men unto himself God has reconciled the world unto himself he's made it totally possible for those that wish to be saved to be saved but with men this is impossible 27 then answered Peter and said unto him behold we have forsaken all and followed thee what shall we have therefore once again it's Peter Peter's being carnal he's thinking of himself he's totally failed to grasp what the Lord is saying here and I will add a quick footnote that nobody has forsaken everything in order to be saved the Lordship Salvation crew have done a huge disservice to this whole false notion that in order to be saved you have to forsake everything nobody has done that you came to Christ as a sinner and he saved you as a sinner even in your best state man is still vain while we were yet sinners Christ died for us all have sinned and all continue to fall short of the glory of God if we say we haven't sinned we make him a liar but he is able to save them that come to him to the uttermost so I don't believe that anybody has truly forsaken everything in order to come to the Lord people say that because it makes them feel more important more special quote-unquote but once again my feeling returns to Peter being the carnal disciple the babe in Christ and misunderstanding really what he needn't have misunderstood 28 and Jesus said unto them verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones 
judging the 12 tribes of Israel ultimately that's what they would be rewarded with on top of everlasting life on top of writing the New Testament on top of doing miracles like nobody had ever done miracles post Jesus Christ that's their ultimate reward but look at 29 and every one that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life if you are somebody who has had to leave your physical family you will receive a spiritual family and that happens every day of the week somebody will get saved in Pakistan or Iran or Indonesia and their literal family will shun them but they then receive a spiritual family in Indonesia in Iran or Pakistan and they shall inherit everlasting life how true that is too 30 but many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first that goes back to again humbling yourself becoming as a child and receiving the kingdom of God as only a child could do with simple childlike faith